You're listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick. I'm Scott. And I'm Hamish. And this week, Scott's going to be talking about how invention can benefit Australia and society. Sounds fascinating. What have you got to say, Scott? <laughs> Thanks, Hamish. <laughs> That's all right. Um, look, it's something I've been wanting to speak about for a wee while. Just, I'm madly passionate about invention. And I think in Australia, we're in a unique position to be good inventors. A lot of patents come out of Australia and New Zealand. And for me, I think, I think you can sort of almost pin it down to a few, few critical factors that allow us to be good inventors. And in turn, if you do the right invention, create the right new enterprise, it can be very good for manufacturing you know, in Australia because you, you don't want to be manufacturing meet you items against the Chinese. They've just got that all over us. But we certainly are in a situation where we can do unique products in Australia and it can, it can support good manufacturing facility because of the profit margin mm-hmm. of a unique product which mm. can't be competed against. So I guess for me, when I look at it, I think, I think well, a lot of Australians have come off the farm, you know, and farm life is, is an area where you're a little bit isolated and you have to make things work. You're basically there, you usually have to be fairly skilled with your hands and you can make, make stuff work. So there's one little factor, and a lot of us have come from rural backgrounds, whether it be one or two generations, three generations back. But that's, that's one part of it. We're, we're all pretty well educated, you know, compared with a lot of the rest of the world. Um, we have good education levels. And, um, you know, if you look back in history, the people who were in, inventors uh, were the aristocrats who were educated. And so there's, there's a, an aspect of that. The other thing is when we do trades or whatever we do here to, in our jobs, because we're fairly isolated as a country, uh, we generally taught those sort of trades on a multidisciplinary type system. So if you're an electrician uh, in Europe, you might only work on you know, GPOs or, or lights or air conditioning or, or whatever. In Australia, you really have to do the whole lot. You're not, you're not just gonna be working on one aspect. There's just not, not, not enough of us. And, and we're so sparsely separated that we don't, uh, we don't seem to just be specialists in areas. So we're multidisciplined in our, in our training. Uh, and um, I think all these factors combine to allow us to be quite inventive in our, in our manners. Uh, hopefully, you know, that, that can be used to our gain and help our export developments. A lot of the projects we do here at, at F3 are all about export. We don't really do products unless they're, they're really high value, low, low, low um, volume type products that can be sort, supported only in Australia. They generally developed for international markets because the export markets are so much bigger. So I think, I think the fact that you invent a new idea, it's totally new to the world, it, it generates new enterprise, so the new business generates with that. And the benefits are huge as far as um, uh, employing people. You know, every, everyone who who's, who's touches that project is all new money, new work. And any export money is new money into the big pool. Uh, we're quite a, quite a developed country, but a lot of our money just spins around and around in circles. You know, it comes in and goes out in the same channels. Export money is new money. It's, it's like if you picture Australia as a bucket, you know, and a hole one side and a, and a hose on the other side, the export money is, is, the, is the hose in. Mm. And the, ex, you know, the hole on the bottom is all the, all, the, all the money we spend on new cars that come from overseas, etc., etc. So it's really nice to have that balancing point. I know a lot of it's our mining and our agriculture fuels that input as well. But um, if you can export 
a product and have it manufactured here in Australia. It's got huge benefits. So the reason the reason a new invention, especially if it's new to the world and unique, can can support manufacturing in Australia is because it's it's, the, it's there's no there's not a competition to the bottom of price range. It's always um, got good profit margins in it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, if you develop it properly, and so you can actually spend more money on manufacturing and still make make money on that product. Obviously, you don't want to spend too much, but if you design things in a way that takes a lot of labour out of them, you can actually you know afford to to manufacture products in Australia. Mm-hmm. And even if you have a bit of ma- ma- uh, labour in it, like Cochlear is a, is a classic, it's got a, you know magnificent technology, all patented, and they manufacture here and sell around the world. So, fantastic example of that, that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the thing with, the thing with um, manufacturing, it's, it's sort of one of those things that a lot of people sort of look down on, you know, oh, manufacturing, working in a factory, whatever. But it's a really soft option when you leave school. Like, kids leave school and they've got all these options or all these directions and they're almost almost overwhelming a lot of people come out of school the world's their oyster but they might not be intellectually inclined and it doesn't mean they're not smart it just means that they might be more um, you know inclined to a trade or better with their hands or whatever I remember years ago going to the Holden factory when I was a student at university and almost all of the plant equipment on the ground, all the automation, everything was designed by a factory worker who had started off out of school, year 10, year 10, left school at year 10, went into the factory as a working hand, you know, just assembling things, just getting involved, easy easy stuff, easy, easy transition into work. And he was incredibly intelligent and just understood the way things worked and eventually d- ended up designing all their, all their production line. So it's, it's a really nice soft entry and lots of ability to work your way up a chain. And that's why I love, I love manufacturing. It, mm. it gives kids a, a way out of, you know, a, a way, a soft entry into the workforce and lots and lots of support, lots and lots of educated and qualified people to, to, to teach and lots of avenues inside that manufacturing plant um, to take. You might want to go into accounting or you might want to go into design, you might want to go into um, shipping or transport or st- you know warehousing anything. There's there's plenty of different options in, in in a factory. So I love that aspect. I think it's very good socially. So as far as I'm concerned, invention is is really a lovely lovely thing for Australians to have. It's one of our little benefits, and it really can help us to try and overcome this me too mentality uh, and trying to. I mean, I, I don't know how many factories I know of that just try and produce products. In competition to China, and eventually the competition gets too 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 tight, and there's no money in it. No, mm. no one's getting paid, so they fold. Um, so yeah, the invention I think is a really really uh, important thing to foster in Australia, and a lot of it unfortunately gets sh- shipped off when we get paid paid a royalty from a, a, a multinational overseas. It's it's a crying shame to be honest. So I'd love to see more investors getting behind invention, and um, obviously governments are doing quite a bit now, but there's still more to be done. If you look at the holistic picture of how an invention improves society, I mean, we, we've had an individual here who's developed a $300 million company, an individual. Like, that's a fantastic benefit for Australia. All, all, make, all export money, mm. all into Australia, employing lots and lots of people, um, generating more business as it goes along. You know, it can't be underestimated with the um, benefits of of, uh, of invention. Mm, okay, and it's also interesting. I know Scott, you've spoken about this before, but Australia is, uh, culturally is quite accepting of 
new ideas and invention, if you want to call it that, yeah. because you were mentioning that other countries are not so accepting. So you've got, they're a little bit more conservative, but Australia seems to be, uh, will buy new things more readily yep. and buy into new concepts more readily. What, why do you think that is as well? Because you mentioned also that some uh, companies will use Australia. I mean, we spoke about this before, but some country, some companies will use Australia as a test bed. You know, why is that? Is there any other more reasons to... The, the test bed is different to the first question. I, I don't know why Australians are, are, are good early adopters. We love technology. We've always had more cars per capita and more phones per capita than mm. most other countries, even mm. even America, which is strange because America's, you know, very, very consumer-driven. Um, but we, we do seem to have that. I'm not sure why that is. Perhaps it's just, you know, we've had to, we've had to adapt and accept things more readily than other countries because mm-hmm. we're isolated and come from farming uh, or or because you know we just want to feel like we're as good as the other countries and so we try and try and be have, have the newest and best not really sure what that is the, the test bed uh, issue is more related to our isolation if mm-hmm. a multinational comes to Australia and does their testing for one if you can launch something in Australia um, you can pretty much launch it anywhere in the world because there's so we're so culturally diverse and we're so sparse, like we've got this huge, as they call it, tyranny, tyranny of scale. Right. You know, because you've got to try and get, you know, distribute stuff. You know, you can't just have one distributor, a representative in the middle of London, service all of London. You have one representative in Sydney, and you can do half of Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to have reps in every state, maybe multiple reps in every state. They've got to travel huge distances, so their day is, you know, far less productive than someone in Europe who can visit 20 shops in a day. It's really quite hard to, to launch something in Australia. Um, our multi-cultural multi, you know, aspect means that culturally, if a product works in Australia, it's going to work pretty much anywhere in the world mm-hmm. to, to a degree. And, uh, and also the other one was the, um, the fact that if the product flops, it's not, we're so isolated that they don't get any mud on their face. Really, yeah, but being with the way media works and the way information oh, could, could, could travel, it could have changed. But yeah. you know, I'm not sure that it, that uh, you know, if you're selling directly in Australia, that that someone in Europe's going to ever find out about whether the product no, saw, that's saw the light of day or not, mm-hmm. unless it's an online product, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway, that's that's uh, that's the reason for that. Why we're early adopters, I'm not sure. But I remember being at iCast over in uh, in um, Orlando there a couple of years back for a product, and I shared a bus with a guy from Lawrence, which is a really big. Um, electronics company out of America and he quite, quite regularly travels to Australia and he said because I said how, how does that work you know you must have a fraction of the sales over here in Australia than you do in America he goes no he said more people over here own fish finders and electronics for their boats per capita than anywhere in the world really yeah well, there you yeah, go we, we love mm. them so mm. yeah so I'm not sure why that is but uh, we're certainly very good at that and there is a very the bell curve that's very very small at the beginning and grows to quite large in the middle uh, and then peters off and it's all about early adopters being a very small part of the market and then people like to follow so early adopters get in very early it's like five percent of the market and then then everyone follows that person or you know follows that advocate and then you get the sheep that fill the middle of the bell curve and that's where your major sales are and then it peters off as the, as the life cycle diminishes Right, but it's a very, very small, very sharp, sharp, steep curve at the beginning. There, so that's mm. why launching products is so difficult. Mm. Trying mm. to get those people involved, and that's why advocates are so important. 
Yeah, and I suppose the other interesting point to make, which is just an interesting discussion point more than anything, there's no sort of point to get across here, but I think when you, I agree with you, Scott, that, that invention, uh, entrepreneurs need to be supported, but unfortunately I think that's it's the old problem of when a, a concept is such as invention, uh, problem solving, it's it's intangible. I mean, when, when you say, you know, investors have to, should get on board more, I think they would, uh, but just as a, as a concept, uh, invention, design, coming up with ideas to, to solve particular problems. I mean, they're all intangible subjects until you actually, someone like you, starts to design something or until someone grabs a napkin in a restaurant or, you know, so to speak, and starts scribbling out a design. Yeah. It's a bit hard for people to grasp what invention actually is. Yeah. So maybe it needs to be championed more as a as a subject and you know, what actually is invention in that in that sense and then you can get some sort of market around that but yeah it's a, just a very interesting topic isn't it well that's why we generally ask or we try wherever possible that, i mean I'm, I'm a one-man band in morningside here <laughs> nothing flashy about me but but if i don't if i employ people and have staff and secondaries mm. and all the rest of it mm. then all of a sudden i can't get people to a point where their product is tangible mm. for a reasonable price so that's that's my whole my whole objective to try and get people to a point where you know they, they can spend a limited amount of money and get something that can actually be used to present to invent investors, mm. which is tangible. Mm. Uh, you know, working prototype that looks and feels exactly like a, like a manufactured part, and mm. um, that's what we're trying to aim for. Um, yeah, but to, but I think the biggest issue with Australian invented investors is that um, it's so easy to make money through property in Australia, and that's where mm. if you know. This, you know, people people put their money. It's easy to turn it around. There's very very little risk in it. Whereas if you try and talk about invention, you, you're not only investing in the in the product. You're investing in the in the person who's invented it. Mm. So you have to be careful about how you how you get involved there and can go can go pair shift. A little bit of risk involved, but a lot of returns as well if you get the right project and you get it managed properly. So there's mm. there's many mechanisms to manage those those systems properly so that you don't end up relying on the fact that the the inventor could run off and do something silly. Mm. Um, and generally, the inventors. Um, not necessarily the best business person, so an investor might be a better business person than the inventor, and in that case, it's a very nice synergetic uh, relationship. Mm. Just going back, I said ad- advocates before. People might not know what an advocate is, but basically, what an advocate is, advocate is. I mean, you might want to jump in here and talk about advocates, but you know, from my understanding, it's. Well, think, I think it's more sort of how you how you're defining advocate. Yeah, so an advocate for a product is um, <coughs> someone who's trusted in the industry mm-hmm. and famous, and so basically, you get them on board with your product. They talk about it and, and give it credibility, and and then the sheep, the the second adopters, not the early adopters, jump on board and follow that, follow that advocate. So that can be quite important for a launch, and and you know people have realised how how valuable that is now. So you don't get it for free for free anymore. But in the old days, you know, an advocate would get a sample of a product and talk about it and help you. Oh go. yeah, this is all. This is well. That's well. In in my world, it's just called uh, third party endorsement. It's yep, it's just endorsement. Yep. So it's yep. it's finding someone that can align with your product and champion it. And it's just a, it's just providing. All you're doing is providing familiarity to something which is an unknown. Yep. So you're providing extra tangibility to something which is untried, untested. Yep. Uh, is it a, is and that's the other thing too. Is I mean, if you're selling something which is completely new. The, even the price itself will raise suspicion whether it's too cheap, perceived to be too cheap or perhaps perceived to be too expensive until the value proposition is understood. And so I think, yeah, that's why searching for third-party endorsement is vital in a lot of these cases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I suppose, depending on the... I mean, we, we, 
Scott and I have been working, well, I've been working with him on a, a product, uh, just the naming uh, of this product, obviously for me, but the endorsement will come from the fact that it will be sold through a, a massive you know, website, don't want to mention the name, uh, in the United States. And just that alone, once sales start to increase for that product, that, that in itself will be an endorsement as well. So going into a target market that will understand the product and then the uptake from that, everyone will see that, oh, it's going gangbusters. That, that's the idea for this product, it hasn't happened yet, but that is endorsement as, as well. So sales figures and just you know people talking about it online, mm. people talking, you know, taking photographs of, of it on social media, being able to tag it, all that sort of thing. So that's reviews, that takes time. Positive, positive reviews. That's it, yeah. But that, that in itself is you've got to think about that in the early days as to, you know, how how you're going to craft your brand so you it's more easily, uh, so uh, endorsement is more easily obtainable. Mm. Excellent. Mm. Yeah, so that's about covers me off. Um, yep. Invention, get behind it, investors. You won't. <laughs> Absolutely. You won't be sorry. <laughs> they won't be. No, no, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to invest in. Yeah, it's very satisfying. Right. Thanks, Scott. You've been listening to Off to Market with Scott Farley and Hamish Chadwick. 